Dr. Bob Crosby, who's a professor of practical theology over at Southeast and spoken for us many times, is going to be sharing uh, this morning and again tonight. So uh, when he comes up, be sure to give him a great round of applause. We appreciate you and Pam very, very much. We love you and thank you for your ministry here at Victory Church. Well, we have a lot to celebrate today. Uh, God is good to us. And as you think about all that he will do to reach someone for his gospel and all that he has accomplished, you know, they talk about these uh, labors of Hercules, all these incredible labors that mythology says that he accomplished in order to become this God. Well, we know that's all mythology, but you talk about one that has carried on Herculean task to reach you and me, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's give him praise and glory together. Well, it is a real privilege to be here to bring the Word of God today. Uh, we're praying for Pastor Wayne and believing God for a day of healing tomorrow, a day of complete healing that will lead and direct the, the surgeons and those that will be working with him. Please remember to be praying with him through the day today and also tomorrow. And we look forward to hearing a good report. And I know he's probably listening in, listening in so we're praying for you today, Pastor. And I love you and Sharon and just pray God's blessing over you. Well, there was a, a headline that, I, that hit the news recently, and I want to talk about that in a moment. Just before I do, let me invite you to be with us tonight. Uh, tonight, I'm going to talk about the word that I believe is the most beautiful word in the Bible. You know, years ago, someone took a survey, and they asked, what is the most beautiful word in the English language? You know, maybe you might guess what that is. Well, do you know what they ended up with? It was home. Home was voted as the number one most beautiful word in the English language. But I truly believe next to the name of Jesus, the most beautiful, power-packed, amazing word that is full of so much is the word grace. Grace. Could you say that word with me? Grace. Grace is amazing. We call it amazing grace. We're going to look at it tonight. When you look at this word in the way God has intended, it will change every relationship in your life. Not only how you view others, but it will change how you look at yourself. So tonight, come, be with us. Uh, also, when I was here and preached about a month ago, we were about to have our second grandchild. Uh, my wife Pamela is here with us today. And uh, we had you pray, partly because I told you there were several complications with the pregnancy. Well, she has been born, and she is really doing well. But tonight, what I want to do is tell you a little bit more of that story. And I want to share a little bit with you right at the beginning of the service. Well, I mentioned that not long ago there was a headline. And the headline read, read this way, soccer team lost in a cave in Thailand. How many of you remember? You know, it was a huge story all over the news, really affected a lot of people. Um, ultimately, there were 10,000 people almost that helped in the rescue. They worked, they tried to figure out how to find these boys that had been lost for several days. Well, once they were found, then the challenge was getting them out. 
What would it take? Because they were two and a half miles into a cave that went up and down in a mountain. When they got inside, uh, unbeknownst to them, a storm hit outside. So the rain was torrential, and the rain filled the tunnel. So there was no way for them to get out. Uh, divers had to work really hard to get to these boys. Now, here is one of the early pictures. Look at this picture of these boys in the cave. There they are. Uh, divers have worked hard to get to them. They've gone through barriers, rocks, uh, muddy waters, and they finally found these boys. Can you imagine how they felt, uh, how the boys felt? They've been in there for days, wondering how to get out. Some of the boys have begun to dig with rocks, hoping that they could dig their way out of the cave. Then the torrential rains were to continue on and on for quite a while. So once they were found, the challenge was, how do we get them out of here? Uh, 900 police officers, dozens of divers, several uh, hundred nations were involved in pulling their resources together to try to figure this out. Now, let me ask you, those of you that are here that are parents, how would you have felt if that was one of your boys, one of your daughters? Now, how did it happen? Well, boys will be... Uh, it was after, I believe, a soccer practice, and one of the boys was going to have a birthday. So the leader and the group said, why don't we go in that cool cave and we can celebrate the birthday and, you know, just go climbing and have a good outing. And they got stuck in this terrible situation. Uh, if you look at the next picture, once they were brought blankets, uh, thermal blankets to help them stay warm, that began to relieve some of the challenges because it was getting cold. Uh, another issue is that the oxygen level was gradually decreasing. So it was getting dangerously low. One of the approaches that the rescuers were looking at were burrowing a new passageway into the tunnel, which could, have, could risk the boys' lives. Uh, another was waiting months until the rain season was over, and they would be in there for all this time and just trying to get food to them. And then what they eventually did is they trained divers, because they were already trained, but they trained them in maneuvering this cave. And they had to put masks on the boys with oxygen. They connected a vest to them with handles, and then they gave them anesthesia. They put them to sleep so that they could bring them through those waters. Halfway through the two-and-a-half-mile journey that took about four hours, they would go up to a ledge, and they, the boys were beginning to wake up by then because the anesthesia was wearing off, and they had to give them more anesthesia. The only way they knew they were alive is the bubbles coming out of their, their uh, mask. So an amazing attempt to rescue these boys. Eventually, they were all rescued. One of the divers, before the final rescue began, you probably heard the story, died. Uh, he he uh, drowned during that exercise, even though he was a member of a Thailand Navy SEAL team. Uh, he died. Here's a picture of the tunnels. Look at this. You know, in a mountain uh, that went up and down, the waters had made it very difficult to navigate, and these boys are stuck in that place, 
in that difficult place. Their parents, no doubt, worried sick. Uh, the people that were trying to find them, trying to figure out what will it take, knowing that there was great risk. Before the rescue, the final rescue attempt began, they insisted that all the media leave. And I'm quite sure that's because, in case it had not gone well, bringing those boys out, having lost their life, what a terrible thing that would be. No one, no parent would want that to be filmed. So eventually, they were rescued. Here's a picture of some of the uh, divers going in to get them. And uh, several areas that were very deep. And one by one, they were brought out three or four at a time until they were finally rescued. Now, years ago, there was a little girl that fell into a well. Some of you might remember the story of Jessica McClure. And the whole nation was watching her and wanting them to be able to get her out. I remember I was, I was uh, you know, fairly young when it happened, and they brought her out. I can still remember crying when I saw these parents crying with seeing their little girl rescued from this well. Well, can you imagine how these parents must have felt once their children were rescued? And can you give God praise that they were able to get those boys out of there? Not only was this a story, and one of the headlines, you know, read this, Thai soccer team found alive after 10 days lost in caves. Uh, it's so much better to have the, the descript found connected to your child than lost, isn't it? To know that your son, your daughter has been found. They're no longer lost, but now they're found. And I want to talk today about lost and found. I want to talk today about this because, you know, these were not only boys, they were someone's sons. They were not only soccer players, but they were young men, souls, lost in a very terrible and difficult place. Uh, you know, we live in a world where we often like to put tags on people. We say you're either this or you're this. You're either Republican or you're Democrat. You're either conservative or you're liberal. You're either a northerner or you're a southerner. Now, I actually am a southerner who happened to marry a northerner. When I went to Southeastern years ago, my parents said, now, whatever you do, do not bring a Yankee girl home with you. <laughs> and Pamela's parents said, whatever you do, enjoy yourself, but don't bring a southern boy home with you. So we had a little bit of navigating to do to get their blessing, but we got it. We actually found out, although their accents are different, values-wise, our families had quite a bit in common. But do you know when Jesus looks at us, he sees us as one way or another, either lost or found, either lost or found, no, nowhere in between. You're either lost or you're found. You say, how do you know that? Because the Bible says that Jesus left heaven because of his concern for people who were lost. He came into this world not to show off. God doesn't show off. He doesn't. What he does, he does with purpose and built out of love. God doesn't love you and me because we're just so doggone lovable. He loves us because he is love. Amen. He is love. It's in him. It's like a well. I'm so glad that when God, when God came to this day that he didn't wake up in a bad mood, but he woke up with love for me, Amen. love for you. He woke up still being the God that John said God is love. 
So either lost or found. Uh, Matthew 9.36 says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion because he saw them as helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus, when he saw the people, you wonder, how did he put up with all those crowds that just all wanted him to do things for him? Because he saw them. He saw them helpless and harassed. And when he looks at you and me today, you can know this, that he sees the areas that you feel helpless in in your life. He sees the areas where you feel harassed in in your life. And he is moved with compassion, and he sees you and me like sheep without a shepherd. But you know what he says? I volunteer. I'll be your shepherd. I'll be your shepherd. You no longer have to be lost. I want you to be found, to be fully found in me. Have you ever lost something like these? Ever lost your keys? How many of you, you're like notorious car key losers? Come on. Not that you're a loser, but you know. <laughs> your car. I lost my keys so many times when I was a teenager. I, I cannot remember so many times. And my mom and I would have these, you know, interesting dialogues. It's an interesting type of wisdom that parents develop when their children lose keys. I would walk around the house, you know, hey, does anybody know where my keys are? Has anybody found my keys? And my mom's like, are you using your mouth to find your keys? Because they're not going to hear you and they're not going to come walking over to you. You have to use your eyes to find your keys. And I'm thinking, mom, I really don't feel like sarcasm right now, you know. <laughs> I want to find my keys. And, and she says, well, you don't see me looking for my keys. And she says, do you know why that is? No, mom, why is that? Because I always leave them in the same place. And I don't know, that just wasn't comforting for some reason. And I always leave them in the same place. Now, um, she, she would say other things like, you know, your keys did not just get up and walk somewhere. I'm like, Mom, I know. I know that's not a miracle that goes on today. You know, keys walking somewhere. And you know, is it just me? Or does it feel like sometimes things just actually disappear? You know, you go back to, you retrace, oh, okay, I was here a little while ago, then I went here, then I went over, and you look at all those places, and they're nowhere. And you could swear, there must be like a valley of lost things somewhere that has a magnet that just kind of pulls them there. Maybe when you go to heaven one day, you get all those things back. You know, I don't, I don't know, but... Have you ever checked your pocket more than once to see if they're there? You know, it's losing things. It, it, uh, it can be challenging. Uh, one, one research project that was done, they discovered that the average person misplaces or loses nine things every day. That means by the time you're 60, you have misplaced 200 million objects. <laughs> 200 million. Look at somebody next to you and say, I think I'm a little bit lower than that. Maybe just a little bit. Just a little bit lower than that. Well, losing things is, you know, it's a terrible feeling. You say, it, it's got to be somewhere. It's got to be somewhere. And, you know, my mom and I, went. And we had these dogs. She said, well, well, you know, I know right where your keys are. Mom, you know where they are? Great, tell me. Where are they? Right where you left them. I'm like, Mom, you're not helping me. You're not helping me here. This is not... It's not good parental leadership, you know. Um, they're right where you left. Of course, they're right where I left them. I love my mom. 
respect my mom, but those were challenging directions that she would give me. Well, we now have devices to help us find things. We have the Find Your iPhone app, you know? Uh, we have Bluetooth items that you can connect to just about anything to find them because we are so often losing things. Passwords. Have you ever forgotten your password? You can't find it. You know, passwords to computers are like socks to dryers. They really are. They're, you know, they're so easy to lose. And, you know, for some reason you suddenly try to remember your great-grandmother's son's pet iguana's maiden name. <laughs> you know, because you had this clever strategy for how you were going to remember all these passwords. You know, we, we lose things. An assistant to Sigmund Freud said, we never lose what we significantly value. We never lose something that we significantly value. You know, it's one thing to lose something, like your keys. What about when you lose something a little more valuable? When I was about 12 years old, we lost our dog uh, on vacation. Uh, she looked something like this. She was a, a boxer. Uh, Jan was her name, a girl. And uh, sweetest dog, tough dog. You walk around the neighborhood with her. Nobody would mess with you. And, uh, but we're on vacation. We're camping. The dog was older, she had a kidney issue, so she would drink water and have to go to the bathroom right away. So we had her chained up outside, as we usually would camping, and we had a big container of water. Somehow she knocked it over in the middle of the night. So she got thirsty. So we woke up, the chain was broken, she was gone. We spent all day long looking everywhere for that dog. Me, my 10-year-old brother, uh, my mom, my dad, just yelling for her, calling for her, looking for her all day. Well, my dad had to go to work the next morning. So there was a point in the day where my dad had to bring us together and say, boys, I'm sorry, but, but we're going to have to go home. Uh, we'll leave the word with everybody. If they see her, they'll let us know, but we've got to go home. So you talk about the longest two-hour ride in my life, driving home, and we had to leave our dog that was lost. So we went home, my dad tried to cheer us up. He said, you know what, boys, when we get home, I'm going to cook some steaks up for everybody. So we sat at the table, we had these beautiful steak dinners, and we're like picking at them, nobody's interested. Telephone rings, and we perk up. It was like my mom's relative, just a call to check in. So, ah, oh, it's only her, you know. And uh, so later, the phone rings, and my mother's really? You did? Really? And they found the dog. They found the dog. So what did we do? We got in the car. We took all of our steak and packaged it up. We picked up the dog. She laid on me and my brother's lap in the back seat all the way back, and we fed her our steak all the way back home. <laughs> so we found the dog. She was lost, but she was found, and we were so, so relieved. The Bible tells us that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus came to find people, not just to say, oh, you're there, now we know where you are, but to find you in such a way that you find out who you're supposed to be through him. You become not only noticed, you become found, fully found. A lot of people will tell you they're trying to find themselves, you know. Uh, we have a number of students that are just arriving at Southeastern. Some of them will say, well, I'm here sort of to find myself. 
but will tell them soon on that the beginning of finding yourself is in finding Jesus in your life. If you try to find your life, Jesus said, you're going to lose it. If you lose it for my sake, you just surrender it, then you're going to find it. Because you and I need a shepherd to show us how to live life. You could be a teenager or you could be a 50-year-old executive. Lost is still lost. Lost is still lost. What you accumulate in life is not what finds you. It's what you gather in your relationship with Jesus Christ that fills your soul so that you can live a life for His glory. And that's what He came for, to seek and to save that which was lost. There's a a chapter in Luke's Gospel, Luke 15, where there are three stories that are told. One is of a shepherd, and we heard the song a little while ago. A shepherd who had a hundred sheep, one of them got lost, and he left the 99 to go after the one. The one. I remember a story of a pastor years ago came to church on a Sunday morning and he found out that a man in the church had left his wife and had gone, had left town and he knew where he had gone. He went to an associate pastor and asked him, would you preach the, the sermon this morning? Because I'm going after him. <laughs> I'm going after him. That's what Jesus does. He goes after us. He knows where we are and he knows what we need. So there's a lost sheep. And then there's a story of a woman who had a lost coin. She swept furiously. Where's my coin? And looked and looked and looked. And then you remember well the story of the lost son, the prodigal son, the father that went, that, that allowed his son to have his inheritance early. And then the son took it and squandered it. And it shows us a picture of someone living life their own way out of relationship with a heavenly father. And the beautiful part is at the end of each of these stories in Luke 15, the Bible says that uh, the shepherd said, rejoice because my sheep that was lost is found. The woman said, rejoice because my coin that was lost is found. And the father said, we have to celebrate because my son once was lost, but now he's what? He's found. He's found. This is something that is so beautiful to God. Moments when people are found. Reunions. When, when I uh, was a youth pastor in upstate New York, we had a church facility there that had two stained glass windows. One on the left was of the Good Shepherd. The one on the right was of the reunion of the prodigal son and his father. Moments that matter to God. Moments that are so important to Him. He wants to bring us together. But what does it feel like when you're lost? Imagine how those boys felt in that cave when they began to realize we're in here and there's floods and we are not getting out anytime soon. Scary when you're lost, no matter what your age is, what your title is, what your position is. When you're feeling lost, you're feeling disconnected, disoriented. You're losing hope. You're feeling fearful, unsafe, uncertain about the future, frustrated. It can be confusing, difficult, difficult. And, and overwhelming. But do you know what? There's some people that are lost and don't even know that they're lost. There's a, uh, there's a woman who went to Disney World, a grandmother. She got her daughter to talk her into letting her take her little seven-year-old son to Disney World. 
And she took him. She said, now, if you get separated from me, I mean, you keep an eye on me because I don't want you to get separated. A couple hours into the day, they hit a crowd, and the little boy got lost. And the grandmother went frantically to the announcement desk, and they put out an announcement. They let the employees know who to look for. She looked for, for just what felt like hours. Finally, at the end of the day, she was so overwhelmed. She's crying. She fell down on the bench, and she's just praying, God, help us find this little boy. What am I going to say to her mom? What has happened to him? And all of a sudden, in the distance, they heard the parade, the, the end of the afternoon Disney parade. And, you know, Mickey Mouse is marching by, Minnie Mouse, and the band's playing. All of a sudden, at the end of the band, there's her grandson just marching, just having a good time, right at the tail end of the band, just to enjoy having the time of his life. Having the time of his life, but completely lost. And he didn't even know it. Didn't even know it. Jesus sees people in two ways either lost or found. But you know, I ask the question, has God ever lost anything? And that can bother me sometimes because sometimes when I lose my keys, it'll hit me, you know, Lord, you know where my keys are. Maybe you could help me find, have you ever prayed to ask God to help you find something? Oh yeah, and sometimes you'll find it. You're like, why didn't I pray first, you know? (laughs) Why didn't I start with that? Because of course God knows where it is. But one day a man asked me this question. He was a a pastor. He said, let me ask you, Robert, is there anything that God cannot find? I said, no, there's not anything that he cannot find. He's, He's God. He knows everything. He said, well, I believe there are four things that God cannot find. I said, really? Well, tell me what these are. He said, one, a sin that he does not hate. A sin that he does not hate. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God hates sin because sin destroys us. It pulls us away from Him and following Him, no matter what the sin is, no matter how subtle it is. God hates sin. One reason He hates it is because of what it does to us. It strips us of our God-given identity. It undermines His purpose for us. God hates, He hates, He hates sin. I thought, well, you've got a point there. He said, there's another thing. A sinner that he does not love. A sinner that he does not love. Jesus loves sinners. He loves all of us. But the ironic thing, the most amazing thing, is that he loves people who even sin. He came into the world to die for us. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't say, when you get your act together, then maybe I'll do something good to help you. He said, no, while you're at your worst, I'm going to be at my best. And I'm here to rescue you, to bring you out, and to bring you to a new place. You're caught in that cave. The floodwaters are coming in. But I know right where you are, and I know exactly how to get you out. Those divers had to use anesthesia with those boys and put them to sleep because they knew they would panic going through those waters. And they knew they were alive because of the bubbles coming up out of that that mass. And then something else that God cannot find. That's a Savior other than Jesus. A Savior other than Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. He didn't say, I'm like one of those ways you could consider. No, he said, I'm the way, 
He said, anyone that tries to go another way, you're a thief and a robber. Why? Because God has left heaven. He has sent the ultimate diver into the cave on a rescue mission to find us and to bring us out of our desperate place and to bring us through the muddy, difficult waters to knock down walls, to tear down challenges, to overcome sin, and to bring us into a relationship with our heavenly Father. That's what he has done. Jesus is the ultimate rescuer. He comes to seek and he comes to save that which is lost. So what else can God not find? I was curious. God cannot find a sin that he does not hate, a sinner that he does not love, a savior other than Jesus. Lastly, a better time to get saved than right now. You say, well, why do you say that? It's because you're preaching, right? No. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. In other words, there is an urgency to moving from lost to found. There's an urgency that brought Jesus out of heaven. There's an urgency that should get us praying for people that we know who don't know Jesus. People who are lost. Let me ask you this. If Jesus looks at people and he sees them helpless and harassed and he came for them, how do you and I see people and how they really are? God, help us to see beyond the stereotypes, beyond the labels, beyond the tags, beyond the social, socioeconomic level, beyond the ethnicity, beyond all those things, beyond the generation, and to see the soul and the need of the people around us. Our neighbors, that coworker, that person that you see at the grocery counter week after week, that person that is in your family that you know is struggling and wondering, why? Because they're lost, Jesus says because I want to find them. I want them to be found in me. I've come that they might have life and life to the full. Now is the accepted time. Jesus fought for you. He left the 99. Here's a picture of one of the moms when she was reunited with her boy. And that's her son. It's my son. He was lost for days. He didn't know where he was and what was going to happen and if he would make it through. And then they had to immobilize him with anesthesia put a mask on him and bring him through these treacherous waters and cave to bring him back into my world and into my life. Let me ask you, are you lost or are you found? Are you trying to find yourself or have you been found in Jesus? You might say, I don't have it all figured out yet, but I know this. I know the one that I believed in and I know that Jesus is with me and that he has saved me. That is the anchor for everything else. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God, then all those other things will be added to you. If you get that anchor in place, God will help you to the other things. But to be found in him is the most glorious and wonderful thing in all of life. Amen. I remember when I made that step several years ago in my life, and there were so many things that were all around my life. I could do this, I could do this, I could do there, I could hang out with this person, that person, the other. Something came together in the sense of Jesus finding me and bringing me to him. I'm going to ask that every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to pray with you today. And when I ask you to think about your own life, if Jesus were looking at you now, and he is, would he say that you're lost or you're found? Are you trying to find yourself or have you been found in him? You say, well, how does that happen? Well, one of the ways it happens is just opening your life to him, believing in him, 
And one of the most simple ways is to, to do that through prayer and to say, I invite you, Jesus, into my life. I sense that you're calling me to yourself, and I want to know your forgiveness. I want to be found in you. I want to experience this thing called salvation. You came to rescue me. You came to seek that which was lost. Well, guess what, Jesus? I'm feeling lost. I'm feeling in need of you and your direction. Is your soul wandering or is it worshiping? Is God close or is he distant? Are you following your own pursuits or are you following Jesus? Your own dreams or the dream that God has for you? Are you experiencing intimacy with God? If you're here this morning and you say, you know, Pastor Crosby, I would love to know that I'm found. I think I may be lost. And I think maybe I'm more drifting away from God than walking with Him. And I, wanna, I want my heart to be anchored in Him. I want to open myself up to Him and know that I'm forgiven. Know that I'm saved. Know that I am His. Well, that's what He wants. That's what He came for. And I'm, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer to, to experience that in just a moment. But if that's you, with every head bowed, you say, that's me, I want you to pray for me, include me in that prayer, please. Would you put your hand up right where you are? Just put it right up, right where you are. Amen. A number of you, just put it right up. I'll wait just another moment. Right up. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. And now others of you are here. And through this sermon, you have realized there's someone in my life there's a, a family member, a son, a daughter, a grandson, a granddaughter, a neighbor, someone in my life that I know they're lost. They're not walking with you. And I would love for God to use me to pray them closer to God, to lead them closer to God. And I want to pray for them today. I would love God to make me into like one of those people that can help them come closer to him. If there's someone on your heart today, would you raise your hand right where you are? Someone got all over this place. Someone that God has laid on your heart that you want to pray for and lift up before God today. Now, I'm going to ask all of you that raise your hands, whether it's to make a personal commitment or to pray for someone, I'm going to ask you to stand up right where you are. Just go ahead. Don't, don't wait. Just stand right up. It's a son, a daughter, a grandson, a granddaughter, someone that's on your heart or your own life. You're making a commitment to Jesus. You know, those divers, they went through two and a half miles of treacherous terrain and water to get to those souls. What I want to encourage you to do, those of you that are making a commitment to Jesus, but also those of you that are saying, there's someone I want to pray for. I want God to use me, and I want to be emphatic about it. We're going to pray together in a moment, but I want to ask you to come out from your seat and can we just gather up here at the front? There are altar workers here. Just come and just stand right up here at the front and come on their behalf. Come for a son. Come for a daughter. Come for a grandson, a granddaughter. Come for your own need for Christ and a relationship with him. Come on behalf of that one that needs God so badly and he wants to use you to be a blessing, to pray for them, to share with them, to invite them to church, to invite them to an opportunity to hear more about Christ to have coffee with them, to share the gospel with them. Just come on now, let's come close, come close, because we want to pray together over these today. Such a beautiful sight, such a beautiful sight. It had to be such a sight to those boys when they saw those divers swimming in with the equipment to rescue them. And this is what we do as believers. God's given us the equipment to rescue people. He's given us the spirit 
He's given us the gifts of His Spirit. Now we're going to pray with those who are making a first-time commitment to Jesus. And as you pray, those of you doing that, I encourage you to pray it right out of your heart. And Jesus wants to move you from a sense of being lost to truly being found in Him. And for the rest of you, I'm going to encourage you to pray the prayer after me. Pray it believing for the day when that person you're praying for is going to pray it. Trust God even as you do. Would you pray right out loud after me? Dear God, I need you. I am nothing without you. I am lost without you. I am empty without you. I open my heart to you, Jesus. You are the rescuer. I've been hidden in a tunnel of lostness. But you have come in to rescue me. Thank you for leaving heaven. Thank you for loving me. Lord, save me completely. Remove my sins. Transform my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Teach me how to live life with you and for you. I praise you for your goodness. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Lord, I just pray a blessing over every man, every woman here. Thank you that you love them with an everlasting love. And Lord, as we make this song our benediction and we sing about the 99 just one more time, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to believe you for that moment. And I pray for sons, daughters, granddaughters, other individuals, that moments of salvation, the day of salvation would come soon for them. God, even if they seem to be lost, far away in a difficult place, that you would use us and our prayers would reach them. Our love would reach them. Our witness would reach them. For those of you that have made a commitment to you today, I pray that this day, August 26, 2018, will be the beginning of a brand new season of blessing in their life. That you will bless them in amazing ways as you have reached out to them by your grace. In Jesus' name. Just before you leave, let's sing that chorus one more time together about Jesus leaving the 99 for our behalf. And let's worship him for what he's going to do as he's going to touch them. Never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, He chases me down, finds still I'm found, leaves the ninety-nine. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, still you give yourself Jesus is the rescuer of all rescuers. He's the one that comes in to bring us grace. Tonight we're going to be talking about grace. Today we've talked about that amazing gift. Tonight we're going to open it up more and discover some of the wonders of not only being touched by grace, but living a life that is all about grace. Let's all stand in this place. Jesus is more than we need, all that we need, everything we need. I can only imagine the celebration that must have occurred when those boys began to come out and people saw them. And when they began to go to the hospital, they got the help that they needed and they began to walk. The, the prodigal son's father said, we have to rejoice because my son was lost and now he is found. Can we give God praise today?
Hallelujah. Let's bring the gospel to the world around us. Let's bring this good news to people. Jesus came, and now he's given us the opportunity to share it and to see people experience him. God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord.